Hey, I'm George Takmichov here for episode two of the Easton podcast with Steve the Big Cat Anderson. And it's episode two of season. Season two. We're calling it season two, but even it feels, though it's the fourth year. Let's call. So last episode, we did season two, episode one. We could call this season three, episode one. Mm. Or just season two, episode two. I think we just created a tremendous amount of confusion for no good reason. Yeah. Well, we could have that one episode season. But I mean, here we are. Like, what, three days later? We're back for the second episode of the Easton podcast. We didn't even, yeah, we didn't do a podcast for like 150 days. And now we've done two, two in, in a week in less than three days. It's pretty impressive. Yeah. All right. Well, actually, it's not. <laughs> but, you know, we just got guilted into it because every time we run into somebody in the public and, and I'm not exaggerating. This is it's true. I mean, literally, people are like, when are you doing the next podcast? Any Facebook post we make, they they. So there's someone on there who says, hey, let's, it's time for a podcast. And you know what? I've kind of started listening to them in my office. I started listening to some stuff. Our old podcast? Not us. No, absolutely not. Other people's podcasts. Yeah, that would be. I couldn't, I can't imagine listening to no, our podcast. No, But uh, other people's stuff. And I'm, I'm like, hey, you know, that's cool. And it's amazing to me the amount of podcast listeners. And I had a, a fishing guide this winter who he found out I did archery and he's like, Oh dude, I, I listened to the John Dudley podcast. And I said, yeah, we got a podcast. We haven't done much in a while, but people love podcasts. By the way, John Dudley, I, I, I was listening to him on the Joe Rogan podcast a few weeks ago. Oh man. He's not the same guy on that podcast. I've known John Dudley for 20 something years. He is not the same person when he's on the Joe Rogan podcast. He's a playing a character or something. I don't know what he's doing, but he's not John freaking Dudley. He's huh. somebody else. Have you heard him? I'll go watch it a little bit. I was watching uh, the the Joe Rogan podcast with Alex Honnold, the guy from who climbed El Capitan. Oh yeah, yeah, from Free Solo, the the documentary yeah. movie. Which did you see it? Did you no, see Free Solo? It's I didn't incredible. see it. Sounds like a recommendation. It's uh, it is a recommendation, which you can essentially, coming from me, consider to be a guarantee. Yeah, yeah. Well, usually that works out well. Um, I won't argue the point. Yeah, the guy, I mean, you're familiar with Yosemite and El Capitan. Of course. 3,000 foot rock. Absolutely. He he climbed it, no ropes. How long? He did it in under four hours. Because there's a world record for that. It's been done. No, it hasn't been done with no ropes. He's the first. Wow. Didn't know that. People have, he has- has I don't know why I thought, I don't know why I thought it had been done. No. The, the, uh, he's basically like the Michael Jordan and dude, people are like, you're right. What time is it? Three, it's three o'clock. People are pulling out of the parking lot, like nearly getting an accident. This oh, I've told you about shipped, this before. Yeah, we watched this the other day. People, oh, we're back in the uh, legacy room with the commanding view of the Eastern parking lot. And it is a demolition derby out there or it's near, crazy. near it. It's crazy. I'm never coming or going to work or anything at three o'clock PM. Dude, I almost got hit head on by somebody leaving here. Is this the shift change? Is it yes, three? It's three o'clock that they change because they, you know, the, the, uh, the, uh, the standard, production work shift at Easton is four tens. Four ten-hour days. Four ten-hour days. So Friday is usually a uh, relatively quiet day in the factory. I wish we worked four ten-hour days. Except for when we're making tents for the U.S. military. We seem to be going 24-7 on those. And um, it's... No, you don't wish that. You know why? You end up spending a lot more. Mm, It's the truth. Everybody I know that works four tens, 
which is not us because we're in quote management. Um, therefore, we work, you know, five tens. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm not exaggerating. I work five twelve like, sometimes. Sometimes I work like seven sevens. You know what I've been I've been doing in the last I don't know nine or ten months is I come to work at six thirty a.m. Mm-hmm. and I get to have an uninterrupted hour and a half. Yeah, it's the only yeah. It's awesome. The best the best work I get done is usually when I stay late. Because it's, it's almost always only Gary and I. Right, right, right. Gary's our marketing manager. Right. He always stays till like six thirty. Yeah. I don't know if he just like doesn't want to go home or what. No, he he gets he, he, just he rolls in about eight o'clock and he he stays until sometimes seven. But his thing is he's just always he he does the same thing. He says I get a lot more done. Yeah. Later. Yeah. So. No interruptions. Yeah, but. But anyway, we're looking at the parking lot here, and it literally it's it's rained a little bit. Now the sun's back out, and it is a. Um, it is it is it is this far from carnage out there. They need to put in some speed bumps, maybe. I don't know. Some it's it's out of control. Yeah, yeah. What were we talking about before? I was I trailed. Oh, we were talking about ASA. No, we, we were, were getting ready about, to talk about ASA. Um, free solo. Oh yeah, yeah. The climber. climb of El Cap. Yeah. So he's basically Michael Jordan, um, Hank Aaron, Tom Brady. And like Usain Bolt combined oh. in terms of free climbing. That's my understanding. Yeah. Now there's probably a little bit of, you know, selling the movie there. But Yeah, but who uh, climbs El Cap with their fingernails and no, no ropes. Belays. Yeah. No nobody, no safety rope, therefore no pitons, no nothing, right? Just get a grip, stick your hand in your chalk bag and Go for it. I estimated I would die in the first 20 feet. That's where I would fall. Well. If I made it 20 feet, I would fall there. And he made it 3,000 or whatever. You know, the uh, if I recall correctly, the worst Star Trek movie ever of a, of a bad lot, but the worst one ever involved Captain Kirk doing a free climb of El Capitan. Of El Capitan? Uh-huh. Hmm. And he fell off. And yeah. Spock had to catch him. Well, enough said. I'm probably uh, going to watch the movie again now. Not the Star Trek one. That was the worst ever. Not that one. No, that was bad. Do not watch that one. That's uh, worse than even the new ones. Darren Cottle was telling me a little bit about this guy, right? Darren does some climbing. Darren's hardcore. Yeah. Darren is a VP of the Jazz Easton, D. Easton Incorporated. Group. It's Easton Management Group. Now. Easton Management Group. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So our essential parent company. Right. Um, and Darren, yeah, Darren does climbing, and he's, he's been to stuff where this guy was at, you know, whatever. And he said he's a true, incredible human, which he is. Hmm. It's got to be in the list of human achievements, individual human achievements, it's got to be near the top. Yeah, right up there with summoning Everest with no oxygen or something. Maybe. It's beyond that because many people have done that. Yes, but to be the first. To be the first, yeah. yeah. There might be a ton of people who climb El Cap with no ropes now, yeah. but he was the first. So, yeah, you're right. Something. it. Uh, I don't know. It was it was pretty interesting. And then it won an Oscar, if that matters to anybody. Now, anymore. there is a reason you brought this up, I presume. Forgot. Might have had something to do with mental toughness? No. Hmm. Well, it was an interesting Oh, it's the Joe Rogan podcast. Oh, the podcast. He was on the podcast. Man, we got to start taking notes. Because we get off on Show the tangent, notes. and now we're, what, like, 
I don't know. Eight minutes in, seven minutes in. Well, the problem is having the attention span of a fruit fly. Right. That's the we problem. Get, we get going. Yeah. So anyhow, I listened to him on the Joe Rogan podcast. And he seemed very much normal like he is, but you know, I, yeah. I, I watch a few characters on there. Yeah. I don't, I don't watch the whole thing. I usually. watched Elon Musk. I heard that was a great one. I'll have to watch it. I, or, or listen to it at least, you know, I, yeah. I think Mr. Musk got an awful lot of crap for not a big deal. And I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm one of those old school, you know, got my, got my attitude about people who smoke marijuana kind of thing. Right. But you know what? It didn't seem like that big a deal that they, yeah, that really they would lose 20% of their stock value. Cause the guy took a puff of a freaking, you know, whatever he took a puff of. Yeah. I mean, come on, really? I, I mean, I, I don't smoke, but if I did, I'd smoke Paul malls and it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't bother me though. You know, I don't care if someone, smokes. I don't smoke either, but if I smoked, I think I'd smoke. Lucky you know what's Strikes. funny? This goes back to last or Giton. I would smoke Giton. Except sounds it's French. a French cigarette, yeah. right? You know why? Because because Robert De Niro in Ronan smokes Giton. Hmm. So I thought, you know, if I ever smoked that that you know, I would yeah. I would want that. But no, I don't smoke. So it would, uh, yeah. Anyhow, you know, this goes back to we're talking about Elon Musk taking a hit off of a blunt, as they would call it. For all we know, it was just a regular cigar or whatever. Yeah. It was, presumably a marijuana cigar anyhow and we're saying we don't care if someone smokes marijuana right and remember last remember when the bob eiler failed drug test happened and i mentioned some i said he, he failed the drug test on two accounts right one marijuana right two a beta, beta blocker. blocker and some guy on the internet got like really upset that i'm he said i'm anti marijuana and stuff and i said no i'm anti people breaking the rules and competitions but like i said when he did it, I said, I don't care if someone smoked weed. If they said it was legal to smoke weed and shoot archery, I do not give a crap. As long but, as you don't blow the smoke in my face, I don't care. No, as long as you don't take like the most powerful beta blocker, that's what I was upset about. Right, so, right. If they, anyone wants to pull a double standard on me, I don't care. So and speaking, I don't care about Elon Musk, and I don't care about that. Because Elon Musk was not in competition. No. You know? It wasn't right. He shouldn't necessarily have been judged for what happened. By the way, he is crazy. Yeah, you got to be a little nuts to launch a in a good way Tesla Roadster at the Mars. Well, that yeah. I mean, why not? Right? Yeah, we were talking about like the things we would do if we had. Oh yeah, Bezos money. Yeah, we make Musk people. Money. We'd make people do certain things. We pay yeah. them ungodly amounts of money to do things around the world. Yeah. So it happened this morning. We had. We don't want to go there. Let's we don't want to go too it. far there. No. This is good stuff. No, we can't talk about this. Yeah, we can. You can. So Gary, people will like this. This is a cautionary tale, folks. If you don't <laughs> want to hear certain things, now is the time to shut. It's not that the bad. I'll keep it without detail. Well, it was hideous. Gary went in the bathroom and it was dirty. He that's a way to put it. Yeah. He <laughs> performed whatever exercise was needed to clean it. He went and got a plunger. Yes. So, <laughs> so <laughs> we, Gary said, he told George, he said, if I paid you X amount of money to constantly clean toilets at the airport in this location or X amount of money, a different amount, he said it was 400,000 to clean airports in X location 
or 200,000 to clean airport toilets in Y location. If yeah. they paid you that much money for five years. And, and X year, being a much more hideous place than Y. Yeah. You know, what would you take? And I thought, well, you're kind of, you're cleaning an airport out either way. So it's not necessarily about the location because it's an internet. It's, you know, it's really a. See, personally, I'd want to be in a NASA grade space suit. It's not that I'm a big germaphobe, <laughs> but the whole deal of people and their bathroom habits and what right. I don't want to be exposed to it. I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to see it. I don't care what other people think, but I just would want to be in a spacesuit. So that's that's what we were talking about is if you had Elon Musk money or you know, you're a total billionaire, these are the kinds of things Gary would propose to Gary his, would, his friends. I would never think yeah. of this, right? He would, this, my mind doesn't work that way. This is the kind of I would figure this stuff out eventually and start doing it too. See, I think Gary, as well as many other creative people. They got something just not quite right. Like Elon Musk. Like Elon Musk. Moving yep. on. Uh, ASA. So. The, this is the worst podcast we've ever done so far. No, we've done a couple that were worse. <laughs> ASA. ASA. What is ASA? ASA is the Archery Shooters <laughs> Association, which is a 3D uh, organization. They, uh, they're they predominantly where? Mostly in the U.S. South? Yeah. So these guys shoot rubber deer and pigs and whatever else they make out of molded Tapirs foam. Tapirs now. Tapirs. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, the Mackenzie Tapir. Yeah, I am a Quite possibly the most charming 3D target ever developed. Look it up. Yep. It's cute. You almost want one for your garden. It's so cute. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> you went to this thing. The, uh, is it, what is it called? The Hoyt Pro-Am. Is that right? Hoyt Pro-Am. And that one's in uh, Foley, Alabama. Yeah, nice place, actually. I like is it? Foley, yeah. Yeah. So Foley, Al Alabama, the weather was not perfect, I gather. It was pretty good. Oh, okay. Because I think they were predicting lots of rain, but it didn't work out didn't that way. It didn't rain on us. It was oh, like good. 70 degrees, kind of windy because you're only 30 minutes from the coastline. Oh, that doesn't sound so bad. But though. no, it was, it, was, uh, it was fine. That sounds not bad at all. So... Um, so here's the deal. You're the world field champion from a couple of years ago, and you go to this event, 3D event, and people are like, oh, there's Steve Anderson. He doesn't know anything about this. What happened? Yeah, there were some people who were like, oh, I thought you were a target shooter. I'm like, well, I, no, I shoot a bow, dude. Like, I can. As long as you know where to hit the thing. Yeah, I shoot. Which is actually, I think, the biggest challenge is knowing the target well enough to know where to there's hit There's that. And, you know, I'm not shooting the unknown class, so that is not a component which that's so, hard accuracy is a factor in that yeah but they, much more so in the marked i think if they made me judge yardage it would be i would get good at it i know i would well they've all got systems just like yeah. you do for field yeah it's not beyond me it's just it would take a while no but you've got to have a backyard full of the targets last and, week no but you could become competitive in six months yeah. and linda's shooting unknown and we're going to get her competitive so i'll probably learn to judge yardage at the same time why not? So maybe I'll shoot an unknown someday. Why not? Too. Why There's, not? But the uh, the known class is the one that's growing fastest. Apparently. It is. Yeah. It's uh, a shame that all of the 3D organizations don't offer a known class. And But ASA is certainly the healthiest and biggest, apparently. ASA is awesome. The way they run tournaments, great. They're really, really well run. They It's kind of like a no, no gruff, right? It's... You can show up 10 minutes before your shoot time and register. I love it. They don't turn people away. 
you know, you got other events. It's like, oh, you didn't register 10 days in advance. Sorry, you can't come. Stuff like that, which you could have your plane booked, your hotel, and all, and just forget to register, you know, and then you're out a ton of money. Right. ASA, they just sign you up, put you on the course. So it's it's very well run. Mike Terrell and his group do a good job. You know, They've I'm looking a, at the uh, website here. They, they It looks like they make it very easy to figure out where to stay, how to yeah. get there, all that stuff. It's all laid out pretty well. They get a ton of shooters because of it. I mean, other than Vegas and Indoor Nationals, it's they're the biggest tournaments in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And I would gather in the world, too. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, I, I guess NASP, some NASP events, like their nationals, the NASP nationals. Yeah. Well, you know. Yeah. But that's basically a squad of kids comes in, shoots for 45 minutes, and then another big gaggle of kids comes in and shoots for 45 minutes. It's not quite the same as everybody going through the course and doing the same thing all day, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Multiple courses, obviously, in multiple categories. Um, so this was your first formal 3D no, event, per I se? No, or one per year. Oh, do you? So, so you've been you've been doing this? Yeah, I, I actually, at my first one, I made a shoot-off, too. It was known 50 at the time. So this was my fifth event, I think. And... That first one, I made the shoot off and I shot at all 14s uh-huh. and I ended up third. Maybe you should explain that for people who don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. So on an, you know what? Delta McKenzie has a really good video on how ASA scoring works and it's actually me in the video. Where's so, that uh, found? Yeah. I have no idea. Okay. Check uh, <laughs> Google Google Delta McKenzie and scoring and I'll bet or it comes ASA up. ASA scoring. ASA scoring blah, blah, Delta blah, McKenzie. Something. Yeah. And it'll explain. But basically... Through your first, you have you shoot a 20 target round on day one and a 20 target round on day two. And you're shooting at the 12 ring. So now that you've watched the video, you understand what the 12 ring is. You're, it's always the lower 12 by default unless you call the upper 12. But for those of you who haven't bothered to watch the video yet, there's risk to shooting the 12 ring. Right. It's kind of down in the corner of the tent. So if you miss it, you drop one out the bottom, you just cost you yourself a lot eight. of points. Yep. So... Once you get to the shoot off, the 14 ring, which is up in the corner of the eight ring by the five ring comes into play. So you can now shoot at the 14 ring. And uh, yeah, it was fun. It, it's they're fun tournaments. It's a little different pace, right? Because we're shooting one arrow it takes about in good weather. It takes about three hours to shoot the round. So you tell me you go and it's a 40 arrow tournament. Right. Uh, and, and over two days. Correct. 40 arrows it's not a lot of arrows in two days they got you got to make them count so for a guy who likes to shoot a ton and get in a rhythm you know typical feet shooter it's quite a bit different no it's like standing up there and shooting your first arrow 40 times yeah practically for yeah. for guys like us that are used to shooting you know a couple hundred arrows whatever exactly it's different um you know whatever i i don't care the discipline I think I can figure out a way to be good at all of them. So, I so, just I just embraced it. What is it about it that that seems to attract people the most, do you think? There's uh <sighs> I could give a lot of my opinions on this. Some of them might not be popular, but there's a lot of camaraderie That's involved. It's never stopped you before. Yeah, I'm going to give them. So, there's a lot of camaraderie involved, right? A lot of these people, it's it's a hangout for them. It's a social event and it's cool. So do they assign groups or do the people kind no. of, so they can group together? Oh, sorry. Yes, they do assign groups. Oh, okay. you, you can't, you can't select your group, okay. but you know, these people, they go and they see their friends and 
a lot of people camp or have a, an RV or whatever. So you know there's an element to that in Vegas, right? I mean, you know, it's yeah, kind it's of like a social gathering, you know? Right. There is, yeah, it's archery. It's the whole archery world's weird social gathering. But So there's a little bit of that that I think is attractive for the ASAs. Um, the regional part of it, since they're almost all in the southeast, adds to that because now it's for sure the same people. Um, you know, that part of the country seems to favor – outdoor events more because they have better weather than our part of the country like we have a lot of indoor well when you were in 70 degrees we were in 28 fahrenheit exactly so So a lot of like you look at this area of the world a lot of great indoor shooters come out of here why because it's cold and we got nothing to do in the winter but stand inside and shoot arrows this is so so there's that um i think a lot of people don't want to go stand in the sun and shoot it it's the sun and the wind and shoot 72 arrows at a feet of face it's not if I'm picking a fun event to do in archery, FIDA might be pretty far down my list. It might be the last one. I would probably say field archery, then something like Redding, which I'd call field archery, then 3D, then indoor, then FIDA, and then far, 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 far down the list would be a five-spot round, which is not even indoor archery. It's five-spot. Um so I think, you know, although that is what the NFA uses as their indoor nationals. Round. Yeah. Yeah. They need to change that. Anyhow. Um, so there's there's that, you know, people like they like the, the 20 arrows per day and the way that it's scored and the way that the targets are. And a lot of these people like hunting. Right. And this is close to simulated hunting. So that adds to their passion. So, the the you know, the whole premise back in the day when 3D first came on the scene back in the 80s is that it was meant to be sort of a hunting simulation but 90 percent of the bows out there seem to be target bows from what oh, i see yeah for sure and you know it's like practical pistol right practical pistol was founded by jeff cooper to be like a a defensive training scenario and it's like turned the gun into, you would carry uh-huh but it certainly very quickly turned into something completely different and i'm fine with that because i embrace the competitive side of everything sure, sure. you know Everything should be modified and adjusted and tweaked to get the most performance out of whatever competition you're doing. So I like that. The other thing I think people will really enjoy about 3D, it's, in my opinion, it's a little more forgiving than target archery. Target archery is very cut and dry. You know, you... Uh, you mean forgiving from the standpoint of how it's scored? A little bit. Not necessarily how it's scored, just how it reflects back on a shooter so target oh. archery make a bad shot there's literally no excuse right you know and i'm not saying people use excuses in 3d but in 3d there's so much going on between not knowing where to aim you, you got to know where to aim you got to know the distance if you're in a judging class you got to play whatever wind is out there because you're shooting big arrows usually and the wind is just gnarly on big arrows what i wouldn't even think about shooting you know giving a like say I'm shooting X10s, I feel a wind I wouldn't even consider to be. You know, I need to move left. Yeah, to right. but if you're shooting a 27, shooting a 3D arrow, yeah, you gotta you gotta account for that. So there's that. That's the third component, and then the fourth component is uh, actually making a good shot, right? So right. there's a lot going on. I suppose that that they're mostly on flat ground, huh? Yeah, completely. Um, and then the other side of it, I think a lot of people, a lot of people don't. We watch a lot of shooters. They don't like aiming at a, a round target like a Vegas face or something like that, right? It 
creates anxiety, creates anticipation. Really? And 3D is a much more relaxed form of shooting to me. Um, and it's a little bit more relaxed of a game too, you know? So there's a lot, there's a lot about it that I think people enjoy. And there's a lot about the format that lends itself to enjoyment for archery people of so, all levels. So smart move, you think, maybe for them to have gone with uh, known distance. And that's, I think, proven by the fact that it seems to be the growth mode. And that, that argument, the argument for known distance came from shooters who say, hey, I, I don't judge distance. I use a rangefinder when I hunt. Right. So why doesn't that exist here? And then it immediately beckoned to people like me who I can go and be competitive at a 3D. Yeah. If, if I know how distance, far away it is, yeah. Yeah, I can hit it. Yeah. If it's unknown, I need a couple of years to probably catch up with some of these guys. You know, some of these guys, I'm hearing stories about them. They'll go around and judge 10 targets and they're off by, they're, they're judging to a half yard. I believe it. They're off by like two yards total over yeah. the whole, the whole thing. Yeah. So they're great judges of distance. Well, but you and I both know that you can do the same thing with, uh, you know, world archery setup uh, yeah. on a world archery target. It's just, you know, they're using a similar system or systems, you know, but they've got the range, they, the range, when we say the range, they've got the, uh, the array of targets that are used at these events mm -hmm. and they're all Delta McKenzie targets, I gather. Yeah. And, and they, they basically, they buy all the targets and set them out in their backyard and figure them out. They're doing it completely. Whereas I'm using, uh, other methods to gauge the distance in, World arch or world archery uh, field competition, right? They cannot use those methods based on the rules. Oh, you're not allowed so, to frame. No, once you draw your bow, you cannot move your sight. So that's the old world archery rules, kind of. Yeah, something like that. So it they truly have to to you know judge the distance based off of either recognition of the target or well, it's a combination know, probably. Use, yeah, if you're if you're doing it well, you're doing probably three or four methods and figuring out from there what's right or wrong. But mm -hmm. you know, I was out. I would take a look at some targets and try to judge them. And a lot of them I'd be really close on. And a number of them I'd be really far away. So if I were to be competitive in 3D, in unknown. Learning it, curve. It would, be, it would be getting rid of those. It's not learning to judge. It's learning to not make judging errors. Now, do you think, and this will be the controversial part of the podcast, do you think that unknown is going to continue to be the mainstream of 3d going forward or is it going to become like barebow and kind of a fringe thing i'm not sure it is the mainstream right now if you go look at who if you were to say who's your superstar shooters at vegas and put them all in a group a whole lot more of those are shooting known yardage than unknown yardage yeah yeah i think so you're right i'm not sure it's there right now it to me it's the truest the true form of 3d when i think about 3d archery it's it's an unknown game you know, so what we're doing is different, but maybe that's the modern evolution. I don't know. It's not for me to decide. I no. just show up and participate. Clearly, they built it and people are coming to it. Right. The, the known. Yes. So that seems to clearly be the direction people would like to take in this area. Yeah, and I'm fine if they want to do unknown or have both. I don't really care. I have an arena to shoot in right now, and that's great. Let's uh, do a little podcasty type thing here and and just ask what you think people should do if they want to get involved in this what's the best way to start just jump in and go to a tournament you know See, a lot of people depending on where they're at probably have local club stuff um now we're, my area of the world was all ibo scoring based so no 
lower 12 ring. In fact, usually the tournaments I shot growing up as a kid, they didn't even score the 11 ring. Right. So you had a Sounds lot of like times, people better go look at that video first. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, go shoot it. It's, it's fun. It's a fun way to shoot archery. Find the Steve Anderson scoring video online. Uh, do a search for Delta McKenzie and scoring and it should, uh, should pop up. Yeah. But yeah, if I were, if I were in the area of an ASA 3d event, I would make sure to make that a, a go-to for the year. Cause they're fun. What uh, what do you got planned for the rest of the season? I mean, you know, from from this point, you got some more of these three Ds to go to. Yeah, you're going to some of the other events, but uh, are you doing the USAT circuit this year? Yeah, still am. So that's kind of tough for me because sometimes when I shoot a three D and then I come back and start shooting a target, there's a little uh, readjustment period, and I don't like it. So. I got to figure out how to immediately get competitive on. Are you basically using the same gear for, obviously not, not because close. yeah. Yeah. 3d I'm using a light kit and a pin with a fiber. Wow. So stuff that's totally not legal for world archery from Correct. that point of view. Yeah. You know, the light kit, I mean, yeah. And then yeah. World you're shooting like stuff. a super drive 25, which you wouldn't be shooting nope. for, uh, world archery. Cause it's too big. Correct. And yeah, it wouldn't make sense, but it's, uh, Yes, yeah, so I'll shoot a little bit of everything this year, I guess. All right, That's well, plan. before we wrap up, let's. Uh, uh, what do you say? We're we not even close. I'm not even close to wrapping up. Oh, you're not. No, there's some people who want to come in for a meeting, so we have to. But it was it was cool this year. Um, so, like I said, my first one, I shot at all 14s, right, and I moved from fifth to third. This time in the shoot off, I was so far behind Chris Perkins. So it was really cool. We haven't always had a great focus on 3D as a company. And Eason we're, we're no. turning that around a little bit. Well, we created a new line of arrows specifically yeah. for it. The super drive arrows, they're they are proving themselves. And four of the five guys in the known pro shoot-off were using Eastern arrows, super drives. Yeah. So it was, it was Chance, cool. Chance and yourself. Chance, and myself, Justin, Hannah, Chris and Perkins. Chris Perkins. Yeah. yeah. So then Stefan Hansen was the other one. He was not. But... Um, so this time around, I was so far behind Chris and Justin. I think I was eight points behind Chris and six behind Justin going in. So I said, well, I'm just going to shoot at all the 14s again. And there was one I considered not shooting at. It was target number one, which is actually a target I shot fourth and uh, in the shoot off. And it, as I got to full draw and started looking at it, it was just this brown blob down there. There was no definition. Usually I'm trying to pick out like a, you know, a bump in the animal or a little change in the paint color or something to pick where I'm aiming at. On this one, I ended up trying to use a banner above it. There was a Hoyt banner above it. I tried to aim about two inches inside the Y and straight down. And I, I uh, shot an eight there. That was the one I should have shot at the 10 there. But then I was shooting, I don't know. I didn't want to shoot for third or fourth or even second, you know, so... I, I said going into it, so I'm going to shoot at all the 14s because I've got to to win. And I went and did it. It didn't work, but I did it. You know what's kind of nice is I can see that you're enjoying it. Yeah, it's different. I really enjoy the fact that these are <laughs> – so I'm not on the World Cup team this year, right? Yep. Or otherwise, I probably wouldn't be at these. Right. Um, but Although I, you could you could regain your position yeah, there's later in the season. But, man, I, I like the fact that I don't have to travel – 
around the world for 10 days at a time to uh-huh. do these, you know? It's a two-day event. I hear that. So I'm there for three or four days if I'm staying an extra day or whatever. So it's uh, it was fun. I enjoyed it. Hoping to remain competitive and maybe even get better at it. Hmm. So uh, parting comments. Number one, if you can avoid it, do not announce the Vegas shoot and the World Indoor Finals with a kidney stone. Oh yeah, you that were a little was tore not up, huh? Fun. Oh my goodness. I don't know if anyone has ever said, you know what? I really enjoyed having that kidney stone. No, not fun. I can so, definitely tell you not to be recommended. So avoid kidney stones. Don't be Gary's friend if he becomes. Well, maybe be Gary's friend if he becomes a billionaire. Yeah, or not. Yeah, one. I don't know. I would probably. I would do it. I would clean the toilets for a year. No, there's not enough money in the world. There is enough money in the world. Not for me. I'm a sellout then. Well, that's fine. I don't blame you. I'm not judging you, uh, but I'm telling you, uh, no, not enough. So, all right. That was episode two. You episode know, two. What did we decide on? Was it 104 podcasts in the quadrennium, in the upcoming quadrennium? Yeah, or I think was something it, like that. That would be one every other week, right? Yeah, it would be. Yeah. I don't know if we're going to do that. but We um, aren't going to do one every other week, but there might be times. You know what I thought we could do? Is like maybe we could do episode. So episode three we have planned. Yeah. Maybe episode four we just come in and we talk for like three minutes and then we just leave. Maybe. But then we've we've knocked out an episode. I'm just going to say this. For all of those people, and it literally was, you know, dozens that came up to us in Vegas or Neem or other places and said, what is the next podcast? Be careful what you wish for. Yeah. You're going to have to deal with this stuff the rest of the time.